Welcome back to the True Transformation Podcast. Today's show is with my good friend, Dr. Rand McLean, a medical practitioner and pioneer who is, in my opinion, one of the world's top experts on increasing your longevity, improving your health, and as his new book is fittingly named, Cheating Death. Dr. Rand is the founder of of Regenerative and Sports Medicine Clinic in Santa Monica, California, where he and his team specialize in alternative and cutting-edge treatments. I've actually referred quite a few of our clients to Dr. Rand, and all of them have given raving reviews after having worked with him and his team. In his new book, Cheating Death, he shares the best drugs and supplements, treatment methods, and devices that are backed by extensive research and his own work with patients. Uh, this also includes things that are little-known treatments that can reverse the effects of injuries, diagnostic and screening technologies that detect early-onset disease, breakthrough methods to slow down or reverse aging, and steps to enhance gene expression and sidestep poor family genetics. In other words, guys, if you want to live a long time, you want to look awesome, and you want high quality of life, this is the guy. Like, this is the guy. I can't tell you how excited I was to have him on the show and to confirm that he'd be our main featured speaker at our upcoming TT Live event the middle of March. If you're listening to this in the future, make sure you get to one of our TT Live events. They're just absolutely incredible. But Dr. Rand and I sit down. I ask him some pretty straightforward questions like, how do we live longer? What do we do? Where do we start? What are some of the things we shouldn't be worried about when it comes to hormone replacement therapy? What are some of the myths about testosterone and TRT and all the things that have started to become more mainstream, but also have come with an asterisk that they're dangerous or you shouldn't be messing with them? Dr. Rand gives us the full-blown 101 on everything we need to know about hormone replacement therapy. So sit back, relax, and before you jump into today's show, make sure to check out TT hormones.com. We have officially partnered with regenerative and sports medicine in California. They offer virtual consultations and virtual uh, uh, visits so that you can actually become one of their patients no matter where you are in the United States. And I believe in North America, just check out the website, tthormones.com. They've taken great care of many of our clients and we're excited to partner with them. If you're interested in checking out Dr. Rand's book, you can go to Amazon and check out Cheating Death, The New Science of Living Longer and Better by Dr. Rand McLean. It is now available for order. That is pre-order. It comes out March 7th. He'll be doing his first book signing at TT Live March 18th, 2023. We're excited to have him. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode with my man, Dr. Rand McLean forget <laughs> my editor will kill me um yeah so uh we're staying in beverly hills and then i have a podcast that i actually have to be on with my wife in uh, orange county so we'll probably drive like an hour and some change to orange county for a few hours hang out do that and then we'll just be exploring i i literally have nothing on the agenda besides hanging out with the wife enjoying our anniversary well on what day will you be going to oc from here Saturday, Saturday. Wow. Yeah. That's a whole nother way of traffic. Um, you got to worry more about, you know, after say 
six or seven p depending upon which way you're going because that's a whole other you know saturday night out on the town rather than okay five o'clock traffic which really starts here around 1 30 nobody works here so people are taking <laughs> half day it's really weird but yeah i mean um beverly hills that's another thing where you know i had an opportunity there a long time ago and to go three and a half miles uh took me an hour and a half oh my I goodness walk faster i said i'm not doing this man i appreciate the offer etc but i mean that's because that's just up the road so that can be pretty wild uh getting about town and beverly hills but uh well if you need any tips on where to go with the wife yeah. let me know absolutely uh, i didn't know you would went to school in virginia that's crazy that was my undergrad that's the degree i'm most proud of man I, washington lee was a butt kicker man they, they uh they're uh, ivy league wannabe yep and i remember traveling and talking to guys you know we played harvard and yale and and uh, some of these other, you know, fine schools. And I'm asking them, you know, about their syllabus for economics 101. And they're saying, oh, you know, it's minimal. I'm like, what? Like, we're, we're covering that stuff in two weeks and you're doing it for a whole semester. Not to put them down at all. It's just, they, they worked as hard, man. And, and you yeah. know, I, I always found, and they would, they would agree. I think a lot of people who went to, for example, Harvard would say the trick is getting in. You know, once you're in, it's not as bad as you know the the, the so-called wannabes uh, like like uh, like Washington Lee and and Duke and some of these others that aren't quite you know recognized like that yet. So they want to work you. So you go out and you know how the game is played. You go sure. out, you you form uh, Charles Schwab, which is one of our uh, alums, and uh, then they can say, "Hey, see, we got all these studs <laughs> leaving the college." So anyway, I love it. I almost went there. That's why I was. I was uh, so happy to hear because I, I was one of the schools that recruited me to play baseball out of high school was Washington and Lee. And I decided not to go. I went to another Virginia school, but I almost I took a visit to Washington. I've been there a few times, actually. But uh, yeah, not it's, it's a tough it's school of nowhere, man. It is. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I hated seriously almost every moment of my time there. The only thing that was enjoyable to me was, uh, you know, I played uh, water polo there and um, uh, and we ended up playing for the national team for a couple of years. And my coach was the coach the second year. And uh, we did okay in terms of, you know, competing. Uh, and, um, but I got to tell you, man, it was so hard. It was such a change from where I came from, Coconut Grove, Florida, which was mm -hmm. much more going. And, you know, like multiple choice exams is what most people were taking. We had blue books, we called them, you know. <laughs> Everything was a, you had to, it was recall and, you know, there were yeah. no hints. You either yeah. knew your stuff or you didn't, but in hindsight, I look back and I go, and this is going to sound funny, but the thing that it taught me most was how to think. I am mm -hmm. so grateful for having gone to Washington, Washington Lee, like I said, it's my, it's the degree I'm most proud of. Although man, uh, getting a medical degree as a single dad living in a car was no cakewalk, but, uh, I mean, I, the, the problem with the Washington Lee is I brought my wife back there for like a 30 year reunion. And even on the, uh, it was, it was laughable. We, we weren't laughing out of joy. We were just like laughing out of frustration, but it was <laughs> the GPS took us to somebody's uh, garage on some back street. I mean, that's how out in the middle of nowhere Lexington, Virginia is, you know, that's the only drawback you're, you are really in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah. And, uh, Back when I was there, you know, you blinked, you'd miss uh, the, the, the heart of town. And, you know, there was nothing to do. And, you know, had one fast food restaurant run by some nut who, I mean, stuff like, you know, you go there at one o'clock after you had a few beers and you got your, 
your cheeseburger to go and you get back to the dorm and there's there's not there's two buns and not a cheeseburger i mean stuff like that where you're just going really man this is where i am stuck and go, coming from coconut grove a suburb of miami which you know open all night you can do whatever you want there's tons of fun people it, it was oh, yeah. yeah it was rough but glad i did it anyway i gotta hear the story about being a single dad getting a medical degree i don't think i've heard that one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a tough one. But fortunately, I had the foresight. Um, I knew it was going to be tough. So I bought uh, one of those vans that looks like a milk carton. It's a VW van. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, the old Westphalias. This was the new version. So, you know, top popped up. Popped up. It had an extra, um, uh, what do you call it? Not a deep uh, cell battery in the back. So, um, you know, I could save... Uh, Shoot, I, I you know the, the Starbucks bill would have been in, incredibly high had I not gotten an inverter, uh, so I can make my coffee off the back. And um, uh, actually had had a little place up here, literally three blocks from my office. Now it was an old uh, Marine Corps officers' quarters uh, setup. So you had a basically a one roomer, and so when I was in town. Uh, and I had custody of my daughter, um, you know, I had a place for her to stay, although she enjoyed, you know, you'd, you'd go up to the beach and, uh, I mean, it broke my heart when the, you know, in a good way, you know, she was doing, uh, what do you call them, the uh, angels that they would normally do in the snow, but in the sand and just talking to me like, yeah, this is the best time I've ever had in my life. I'm thinking, all right, well, good. I, you know, I, I guess at your age, I would have thought this was great too. And you know the, the the hot dogs on the hibachi grill and all that stuff. So it, there were some fond memories there. But otherwise, yeah, I was uh, I was sleeping uh, in uh, the areas around the school, getting ousted by the local police every once in a while for being you know, Hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, geez, really, man? I just got to sleep at two a.m. Oh my um, gosh! But it was uh, it was it was interesting. Yeah, it was it was fun. It's How long ago was this? When when, when was this? Uh, this would have been 2000, somewhere like 2002, 2003. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So it's been, what is that? Like 20, so 20 years. Yeah. Thank goodness. It's a while ago now. Dang. Yeah. So that's crazy. So got a price to it, right? <laughs> well, now, now I, I, uh, you, you've gone from the van to helping optimize everyone. So we live forever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, uh, you know, to steal from Kurzweil, I, I think I misquoted him the other day. I think his line is live long enough to live forever because, yeah, the advancements we were coming across, you know, will allow us even more time. And the trick is to stay alive for those new advancements. Mm. I think uh, I got it from one of my friends who I mentioned in the book, by the way, uh, Robert Harding. They've done some sophisticated analysis so that even if we could figure out how to wipe out aging, uh, the average person would uh, get to at most like 22,000 years before, you know, we got hit by a meteor or you, you know, you've uh, walked across a landmine or something. So yeah, it won't be forever, but we can certainly extend it for a while. And what will seem like a, a, an additional a bunch of time, I think for our generation too, I say our generation, I'm 60. So I got you by quite a few, but, uh, mm. you know, look, I mean, if, if I were to make it to uh, 120, that would be pretty phenomenal from my point of view as a, as a guy who grew up where, I mean, I looked at people my age when I was a kid, thought, man, they're ancient, you know, and uh, most of them were, you know, and they were cigarette smokers and uh, didn't take care of themselves and look pretty decrepit. And, and you know, a, a lot of our 60 year olds today are, are, are still charging it. One yeah. of the uh, uh, 
Instagram pictures I, I hope I still have up there because at one point I only had three and one of them is with my brother-in-law, uh, Reggie De, Del Ponte, who at 62, I got a picture of him on the face of Mont Chamonix charging it. And that's, this thing's vertical, man. I mean, that's awesome. you know, those are cojones the size of church bells, if you ask me. And then guy's 62 and he's still going strong. So, and now he's what, 64 and he's still going strong. So yeah, it's a whole new world, fortunately. Yeah, there, there's so much, at least from my perspective, being in the industry, there, there's a lot of attention being put on, at least more than ever before, it seems like, being put on optimization, especially around hormones, health. I'm curious because I'm a, I'm a late 30s guy. I work with a lot of guys in their 40s, 50s, and, and women too, in the you know like young to teenage parent range uh, who are really starting to have their eyes open about internal health and hormone optimization, every buzzword, TRT, you know, all the fun stuff. But I, my question is like, where, where do we even begin with this stuff? Like, what should we be looking at from, you know, our internal health to like, how do we want to optimize the rest of our life? How do we live to 120? What's, what's the, the number one thing we should start with? Well, there's a couple of things you're bringing into play. You know, I would say the first and most important thing is quality of life. I've never ever met anybody it's rare you can say ever forever and you know always and that kind of thing but and no one's coming saying hey Rand, i'd like to tack on an extra 20 years and i'll trade some quality of life for that it's always the other way around say hey, look man if you can get me five more years of quality i'll sacrifice the back 20 you know and that's a lot of years the beauty is it doesn't have to be that way as you you know you can figure out i say well if i can get rid of some of these things that affect quality of life type two diabetes, coronary artery disease, or just car, uh, heart uh, uh, issues in general. Of course, we're going to, in doing that, reduce the chances of dying prematurely, right? So it is a win-win. You don't have to rob Peter to pay Paul. That's, that's one beauty there. Um, but, but in terms of like, when does the bell go off? Well, I would say if you have, if you notice a difference, they don't even have to be complaints. But typically, a decrease in energy, a decrease in libido, a decrease in a sense of well-being, and and I'm sure you can appreciate this. And most athletes do, and it's typically the one that's the deal breaker as to whether or not they're going to postpone going to the dock another year. When you have uh, problems manipulating your your body composition, that's when guys and girls are like, "Okay, this is it, man. I got to go see somebody because I pulled out all the stops." Right? As a, you know, as a guy who's an athlete, if you ever got to the point where you're like, "Okay," what I've done my whole life and I know from A to Z ain't working anymore. There's something wrong here. And that's what brings in the guys and the gals and oftentimes way too late in the sense that they could have done stuff earlier and been a lot happier. But those are the ones that maybe it's because their personality includes a certain stubbornness that's required to be a, a leader, professional athlete, but also because they have all these tools, it takes them a lot longer to, to uh, run out of options and they go, okay, what do I, what can I do, Rand? And then you put the leverage I call it, of the testosterone back in the system and bingo, they're back to hitting close to their personal best again. So the answer to your question is yeah, when the symptoms arise or signs, you know, uh, that, that certainly would be the, the most important. There, there's some people that, you know, say, hey, and I would say really, man, it's not even a fraction of a percent of the patients I see anyway. I'm looking to get after this proactively. I'm 30. I feel fine but I want to stay ahead of the game and they get their hormones checked, which is fine because it's nice to have some data points. Right. But, um, 
you know, that's not a reason to, to, to start TRT or BHRT for any uh, particular reason um, to chase numbers. That, that's a pet peeve of mine. You treat people, you don't treat numbers. Again, though, it's nice to have numbers. I'm, don't get me wrong. But to, to change your levels of testosterone just to chase a number doesn't make sense. Now, you could argue, but wait a minute, Rand, there are correlations between low testosterone and things like coronary artery disease, type 2 diabetes, colon cancer, prostate cancer for guys, obviously, osteoporosis. So don't we want to get ahead of those? Yes, we do. But correlation is, I mean, let's take you, for example. Uh, you know, there's an art to medicine. I can tell you by looking at you, you're pretty healthy, right? Am I right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you could argue that even if you had relatively low testosterone, which is very uh, often the case, uh, which is counterintuitive because you look at people that are in great shape and you figure their testosterone levels must be really, really high. Well, as you know, it being in the business, sometimes it's the way you chose your parents. Uh, sometimes it's just, you know, you outwork the other guy, which is more often than not what it is, right? Uh, in this very competitive world uh, of, of ath athletics. And so, uh, you know, I, I've seen a guy, uh, 250 roughly uh, total T nanograms per deciliter, buffed out, hard charging it, right? So, you know, it's not necessarily uh, a number thing. I'm, I'm getting off track here, I know. But um, uh, the, the, the point I'm trying to make about the correlation is, Somebody like that is not necessarily a, a, a candidate to come down with a sugar issue, right? Diabetes or metabolic dysfunction. Uh, you know, you, you did. I mean, the only thing you could probably say is maybe there's some issues with prostate cancer because um, that is largely linked to hormones and genetics combined. But certainly, uh, you know, inflammation and some other unhealthy habits could affect it. But my point is that those things could be staved off very easily low T or not by someone who's focused on good health. Sorry, mm -hmm. that was a long way of saying what I finally said at the end there. But um, so it's not like, oh my God, I have low T. So now I'm at risk of all those things, but there's a correlation. Is it because of low T or what comes with the people who have low T being not really into exercise uh, for the most part and taking care of themselves otherwise for the most part? It's hard to tease that out. But uh, so, so my point, trying to finish, uh, a short question with a really long answer is that I would focus on symptoms, you know, say, Hey, yeah. do I have complaints? And, and one caveat with that is you can't compare yourself to other people because that's not fair either. Cause you're going to look up and go, geez, the rest of my peers, you know, that they, they, they went to work for, I won't name a firm, but you know, they're, they're desk jockeys uh, for whatever reason, they don't make the time or have the time, you know, maybe they got the 2.3 kids and a mortgage and they got to work their fannies off. And, uh, you know, you look at them and you go, well, I'm doing way better than my, my buddy, Jim. Mm. That's not, that's not fair. You want to compare yourself to you 10 years ago or whenever you had more energy and say, well, that's a begging the question, but 10 years ago and say, well, am I, am I still where I should be? Or have I, you know, lost a step here or there? That's the best gauge. Mm. So many guys, I see like the hesitancy to even discuss this stuff because the fitness industry has labeled anything testosterone related to be quote unquote, you know, cheating steroids. It's unhealthy. It's dangerous. You're going to drop dead. Nobody seems to really be talking about the other side, which is like you said, the correlation that happens with things like 
uh, hormones that are out of balance or low. Talk to me about why guys and women too, for that matter, shouldn't have this hesitancy around testosterone, around the hormonal health. Well, we should include women because it's the same deal for them as it is for us. And unfortunately, you know, there, there is some imbalance there in terms of the rhetoric and the, and the, the care. I mean, what's, what's happened is urologists have stepped up to the plate for men. I would argue that OBGYNs have not stepped up to the plate for, for women and, and in terms of specialties that should, you know, uh, take over in this department. Endocrinologists, uh, briefly, I mean, it, it just has never worked out for them, although you would say, well, those are the hormone people. Why aren't they doing it for men and women both? We get trained uh, in, in uh, our settings, in, in a, f- a family practice setting or uh, a hospital. No one gets wheeled in to the emergency room for low T. So endocrinologists get cha- uh, cha- uh, trained in uh, you know, diabetic ketoacidosis, thyroid storm, the basics, which they're great at. Uh, but you know, we get maybe 20 minutes on the steroid hormones in school, and then we move on. You know, um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of, I call it propaganda. There's a lot of misinformation out there from, you know, way back when, and, and before the 1976 Olympic games, all this stuff was normal. They were doing studies in women, for example, in the fifties, treating them for uh, refractory depression with testosterone, which back then, you know, at least the layperson thought, well, you know, testosterone is for guys and estrogen is for women. And uh, that's part of the misinformation that makes women hesitant. Like, well, why would I go in and take testosterone? That's a guy thing. I'm totally going to screw up my body there. They don't realize the basic physiology that we have the same hormones, just different levels and different ratios between the two. And so, uh, you know, getting back to your question, it's it's really just a matter of uh, misinformation. um, Whatever led to the banning of the substances in the the Olympics uh, and then the fallout from that. I mean, one of my, one of my heroes is Al Order and people don't realize, you know, he got a lot of his gold medals while on, uh, anabolics. Mm. And that, that's another thing that comes up too. Um, and by the way, he got, just to finish that uh, thought, he got special dispensation for, I think it was his last Olympics because he had been on them for so long. They said, well, yeah, okay. You know, you're kind of grandfathered in, but, uh, there's a, there's a big difference between steroids, which are, Substances made from cholesterol, like testosterone, estrogen, DHA, progesterone, pregnenolone, and vitamin D, by the way, which is actually a steroid uh, mm. hormone, but we, we uh, named it a vitamin way back when, when we discovered it in the 1800s, I believe. But um, an anabolic steroid is a completely different substance, all of which have different side effects. And these are synthesized, well, they're Hormone replacement is typically always synthesized, but what I mean to say is it's not a naturally occurring substance in anabolic steroids. So it works differently. And we confuse the two often uh, because, oh, she's on steroids. Well, we're all on steroids, but they mean to say anabolic steroids, which which emphasize muscle accretion, but come with side effects like um, a a tendency to create more of the LDL cholesterol and less of the HDL cholesterol. And also, and this is, I'm sorry, I'm getting into the weeds here. I'll be brief, but there's a mistake made amongst physicians when they say, oh, well, it affects the liver enzymes, particularly the oral versions. Okay. Which there is some case for that when you have these things, which are these substances that have a a ligand on the carbon um, 19 
uh, anyway, it, it makes it more difficult for the liver to break it down, which is an advantage to keep in the system, but it's also a disadvantage because it works the liver. But most of what they see is uh, the, there are two enzymes released by the liver when it lyses and does its job called AST and ALT. Are you familiar with those? I mean, just I've heard of most yep. people go, oh, yeah, those are liver enzymes. I know that much about doctrine and stuff. Well, they're, they're not only made by the liver. They're also made by uh, something else, which I'll, I'll uh, leave you hanging for just a second on. Uh, and, and it's why I get a different enzyme called GGT, which is specific to organs, because uh, I think it might be another dozen things can cause elevations in AST and ALT. But guess, guess which one of those situations can be? Muscle breakdown. Mm. Okay, well, someone's on an anabolic steroid, they're going to be, they're going to tend to be more well muscled, right? And particularly as you get older, okay, and there's more turnover. So you're building it up, but you're also breaking it down. You're going to see an elevation, uh, typically an ALT, but also sometimes an AST. Uh, And by the way, you can research all this stuff. It's nothing new, but it's not mainstream, of course. So these things get lost in the shuffle, as it were. And the assumption is, oh my God, there you go. See the AST and ALT, the liver's being harmed by the, uh, the anabolic steroid. No. And that goes back to the GGT, which is specific to organs, liver, pancreas, biliary tract, even your GI tract. Uh, and if you see that that is within normal limits or even low, oftentimes when somebody's really healthy, you realize, no, that's not because of the anabolic steroid. And, and, and so Sorry, I'm going off on sort of a long tangent here, but it's important because this is part of why I wanted to write the book to dispel some of these rumors, because look, do what you want, but at least have the facts. You know, I'm a registered libertarian on the one hand, and and that's important. You know, you should have the freedom to do a lot of these things, but I argue in ignorance, you're locked up. You don't have the freedom because you've got this misinformation or just plain ignorance. And you go, well, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. And so many people are missing out. I, I always say I have the best job in the country. You know, I, I get to see people come in dragging butt, right? Not feeling well. And we see, oh, look, yeah, you're, you know, you're 42. And, uh, you know, she's, she's, uh, she's had three ch- children and raised them uh, along with her husband or whatever. And, uh, you know, she's dragging and, and, it's, and she's not happy. And then, you know, three months later, after she's uh, come back and really six weeks after she starts therapy, the world is her oyster again. And that's, a, that's a fun job. I mean, you know, <laughs> I joke all the time, doctors, we, we live for this, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. we, we love success and getting, hey, thanks doc for helping me on that one. And so it makes my job wonderful. And it's it's not that hard. It really is. The hardest part is, as I think you're alluding to, is getting people in the know, getting them into the office, right? Then it's not, I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, a monkey could do this. It seems like that if that's your sole thing you're doing in life as a profession, but uh, it's not nuclear physics and it's some very basic physiology to get this going. And I think, you know, a decade from now, we're not going to have this kind of conversation. Mm. Yeah, I guess what will always kind of open my eyes, at least recently, was talking about the long-term risk of suffering from poor hormonal health. And going through the rest of my life or our clients that we work with the rest of their lives in a suboptimal state versus working with someone like yourself, getting their hormones dialed in, getting their, their just everything dialed in from a full blood panel to making sure everything is spot on. I just don't think people have that, that awareness, right. Of the, of the risk versus reward versus 
what could potentially go wrong because it's all fear-driven propaganda, like you said. What are the the big things that, especially the the guys and the girls out there who are who are working out, they 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 are trying to take steps in the right direction, but they're suffering from this internal health issue that they could fix, but they're doing it because they're worried that, well, I don't want to go on stuff because there's so much more risk with that side of things. No, there, there isn't. And that's, that's, you know, to, I think to the point you're making, there's more risk in not addressing it, not just for the correlations I mentioned earlier, but think about your quality of life. If you're doing all the right things and you're not getting anywhere with it, that's miserable. I mean, even if you're not particularly goal-oriented, it's like, well, why am I doing this? And a lot of people just say, I'm done. And say, you know, they go, well, I'd much rather have the big piece of chocolate cake because I'll feel good at least for half an hour than eschewing it because, you know, the, that time in the gym isn't paying off or whatever it is, you know, the, the restricting food. And to have that turn around for that reason alone for mental health is huge, I would argue, plus the things that come with it. Humans... Most of us, okay, I, I'm an optimist. Most of us have the character to suck it up. And that's what we do. And, and when things start to go south, we go, oh, yeah, well, it's because I'm getting older. This is just the natural way of things, which it is. But it's also natural to get sick and die one day. So it doesn't mean we should be enamored with it, right? But we, we accept it. We deal with it. That's a good thing on some levels. But, I mean, if we can do something about it, and we're not robbing Peter to pay Paul in this case, I mean, you know, there are those that would even take a trade where it was, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, but we're not talking about that here. Then why wouldn't you? So to address the, I guess we'll call it the propaganda, since we seem to agree on that one, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> when I was growing up, it was like, you know, uh, if you took anabolic steroids or testosterone that you didn't need, uh, you know, your you, you, you're, if your willy didn't fall off, you at least be impotent the rest of your life, you know, and, uh, um, uh, you know, I mean, just crazy stuff. It was almost like, I've never seen the movie, but I've heard about uh, reefer madness, you know, where if you start smoking dope, uh, eventually you're going to turn to heroin or worse, you're just going to jump off a building one day or something, you know, I don't know where that comes from. I really don't, but that's what's out there. And if you get down to brass tacks, the potential for side effects Okay, not early death. I would argue it's the other way around. You're going to extend what we call your health span, your longevity, along with your quality of life combined. The potential side effects are acne and hair growth or lack thereof. And I'll explain. And, and both of these are in your genes or they're not. Okay, so if you're prone to acne, which, by the way, is a funny thing, too, because before you say, well, screw it, I'm not doing that because I had really bad acne when I was 16 to 19 years old. So I'm not even going to go there. I'll suffer the other effects. Well, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have acne if you go on uh, testosterone at age 45, let's say, and vice versa. So I've, I haven't seen a correlation between the two. So it is kind of a roll of dice. It has to do with your genes. But here's the thing you can correct for that. It's not the testosterone per se that makes the issue uh, of the potential for side effects. And by the way, it's probably about, to give you a number, 20% of the patients I see will go, oh yeah, by the way, doc, I, I got some acne out of nowhere. And by the way, it's typically what we refer to uh, unaffectionately as bacne, mm -hmm. which is another part of all this. If you think about it, when, when you had acne uh, or anybody you know, it starts on your forehead, right? And kind of moves its way down and some people get on their chest and back as time progresses and eventually there's no more acne. Well, going backwards in time, as if you will, 
you know, most people don't get it on their face. If they do, it'll be down low rather than up high. And that's a good sign because if they don't choose to do anything about that and they stick with therapy, eventually it goes lower and, and goes away. You know, where, so you follow where I'm going with that. So, yep. and then if you get to my age, you start at 60, you're not going to get it. I don't care what's in your genes. You're just <laughs> too old for acne, you know? And, uh, but the, here's the thing. It's not testosterone. It's uh, a metabolite dihydrotestosterone. And they've known this forever. You ask any dermatologist, that's what they'll attack first. And they'll give you, in the old days, uh, it wasn't for men uh, because it wasn't strong enough. Uh, but for women, you could use spironolactone. That's a mm -hmm. diuretic, but with a side effect of blocking an, an enzyme, 5 alpha reductase that would uh, convert testosterone into dihydrotestosterone. Bingo, case solved, right? And, and problem solved. So I tell all my patients, you know, if this occurs, this is an available option and it should solve the, the problem. Ditto for hair in the wrong places, whether you're male or female, right? That's another potential side effect, again, based on your genes. Uh, we forget this though. Men and women have hair in the same places. Women just typically a lot less of it. No, I mean, you laugh, but think about it for a second. Oh, it's true. Yeah. They shave you know, it too. We don't. Going on. <laughs> and I realized, you know, I'm out here uh, and even as a, you know, an athlete, you know, as I was a big swimmer, water polo player, there was always some shaving involved because, you know, it wasn't the hair actually, it was the skin you want to get rid of. It made you faster. But the point being that we, we forget this because people do laser and shave and stuff, but, and, and particularly women, they go, you know, well, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, I've got this hair growing uh, again uh, on my chin um, and I lasered it, you know, that was a lot of money or uh, anyway, I have to remind him, you know, grandma had the same thing. It's just that grandma plucked it like you're doing now and have been right since she was 28, 29 at 70, 75. She says, I don't care anymore. And then you assume, oh, that's when it shows up later in life. No, it's been there the whole time. My point being, again, we forget that men and women have hair in the same places. Um, so you can continue to do what you were doing, or again, you can slow the growth by slowing or stopping the conversion to this, this protagonist, this hormone dihydrotestosterone. And then for guys, and to some degree, women, the hair loss on the head is also driven by uh, genes that are uh, exacerbated by this dihydrotestosterone. There's a simple drug we use now. They, it's called Propecia in the one milligram dose or Proscar in the five milligram dose. Uh, finasteride is a generic and we can use it for men and women and problem solved. So the potential, I'd say roughly 20% for side effects is there, but all correctable. Mm. So there's no reason not to try this. And here's the other thing. Even if there were no options here to correct the situation, you had to make a choice. You have a choice. It's very simple. Just like with, um, well, any hormone replacement, if you stop it, you go right back to where you started as long as it's within a brief time period. I'm not saying if you're on this for 10 years and for whatever reason you decide to stop, you're going to go back to where you started because you're 10 years older. But my point is you'll end up wherever you would have been had you done no replacement therapy 10 years hence once you stop it. Or if you stop it, you know, as I said earlier, it takes about six weeks before it kicks in typically. So let's say 10 weeks in, you wake up and you go, I don't know what I was talking about here. Uh, Rand, what, what, what am I supposed to expect? which by the way, I've never seen. Again, that <laughs> word never is rare to use. Uh, but if for whatever reason you say, no, I'm not doing this, um, then you can stop and it'll go right back. I haven't given you a shoulder replacement and a prosthesis, which you know you can't turn back in and say, give me my original shoulder back here. You can get your original hormone levels back. But what's funny about that too is, you know, because patients are, are worried about 
normal and natural and their own production and being having some control. I go, well, what are we saving here? Because most of the people come in here, if not all of them, have low testosterone to begin with. So what are we sparing? What are we worried about losing? You're here sitting in front of me in, in my office because you don't have enough testosterone. Whatever you're producing naturally ain't working for you. So who cares? But I realize people care. And that's why I explain what I, the way I do is, you know, you can always go back to where you started. That's where you want to go. Right. Sure. I think people's fear comes from all the, uh, the stories they read or hear about with these bodybuilders. So I, you know, once again, education is such a big deal here, but for the layman out there who just exploring this and doesn't understand this, you know, I see in the industry, these massive bodybuilders who out of nowhere drop dead. Right. And everyone goes, Oh yeah, they were on steroids. <laughs> and you're like, well, they were probably doing a lot of other stuff too. And not to mention their dosage was probably 10, 10 times what they actually needed to be optimized. They were abusing the substance. Yeah. And, and obviously I could never name names, uh, you know, for privacy reasons, but I, I'm immersed in that uh, just because I go over to gold's gym you know, in Venice, the, the Mecca on a regular basis. And, and it's, it's not a slight on the Gold's Gym, but there's a lot of bodybuilders there. It's a larger, but still relatively tight-knit community. And absolutely to your point, you're spot on. People forget about, I mean, what's a bodybuilder's life like typically, okay? They're not Olympians that are being sponsored by UPS and have a day job. You know, they, they weight lift and then they eat, sleep, and maybe weight lift or do some cardio eat and sleep. I mean, they're, they're, you know, and, and what happens when they say uh, an idle mind is a devil's playground to your point, again, there's a lot of recreational drug use. that doesn't get uh, acknowledged. There's also, I've seen a fear to, to go to a physician for whatever reasons. And I could name some famous people. If you go, really? Yeah, there's, I don't know what it is about it, but you know, a lot of us, they don't get lectured. Oh my God, look what you're doing to yourself. And yeah, I mean, I think a doctor to some degree is doing his job. Although at some point you can say, and I realize it's easier for me as a registered libertarian You say, okay, well, as long as we're clear that I don't think this is the best thing for you, I'll do what else I can for you. Cause that is my oath literally in my job is despite what you're doing. And you could argue that's a cigarette smoker, a heavy drinker. If they're not going to stop that, well, you are still obligated to do the best you can to help them. Right. So they can maintain whatever health, but yeah, coronary artery disease. There have been some more recent deaths in bodybuilders because, and I mean, I know these people, They've been complaining about chest pain for two or three years, but they're not going to go to the doctor. You know, uh, there's a famous trainer who, you know, doesn't take care of his teeth very well. And we know that's a huge uh, means by which uh, bacteria can seed in the, in the coronary arteries of the heart, cause inflammation and plaque buildup. And guess what? Mentioned it earlier. When you use anabolic steroids on top of that, you're setting yourself up for even more plaque formation. You increase your LDL cholesterol, lower your HDL cholesterol. There's some new speculation and controversy about that because arguably just having cholesterol around is the biggest problem, period. Whether it's on the truck going away from the liver to the vasculature or vice versa, it's still floating around. But the idea that there's inflammation there and it's going to be more so uh, prevalent in someone who's bodybuilding and using anabolic steroids than not. Um, so yeah, there's other health issues that aren't brought to the fore. That I, again, I got to be careful not to name names and be too obvious. But you know, there's some figures out there that claimed uh, themselves or after their death that steroids were the issue that killed them. But one individual had a very rare form of brain cancer, 
that's only prevalent in those that have HIV slash AIDS. You know, so there's reasons why it gets reported a certain way versus not. And that leads to this problem we're talking about, which is ignorance and, and misinformation out there. Uh, but you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and, and, you know, I get these questions all the time and I have to say, yeah, there's more to the story than that. You just, just have to realize that these people are just like you and I, and that, you know, they are, they're of equivalent risk for certain disease processes, but in some ways are worse off because like I say, it was just wanting to avoid the doctor. Mm-hmm. They're going to you know, come down with it worse than we are. And, and I would argue it's probably the same percentage or close to it anyway. It's just, they're in the, they're in the limelight. Yeah. That makes sense. So I want to cheat death. <laughs> I don't want to die. Well, at least I want to live to be 120. Let's just put it that way. That would be awesome. Right. Cause I've always told my wife, I'm going to live to a hundred watch, like, just watch me do it. I'm going to do it. Right. But I love the point you made about quality of life, but I'm curious to know if, if we had a, just a, I call it a cheat sheet or a roadmap in your opinion, right. Cause you wrote the book cheating death. So what would be on that list? What are the things, whether it's hormone optimization, lifestyle, like according to you, if you were guiding me to 120 and beyond, what would be on that cheat sheet that I need to focus on moving forward? Part of the hard part of the book was making the basics more obvious, more important, more tenable for the average person, because it's anticlimactic. It's the same stuff we've been hearing from great, great grandmother forever. The three basics, okay, on which you have to build are stuff we already know. You've got to, let's start with your expertise, right? Or one of them, you know, you got to get your exercise. And I call exercise the great equalizer. It can make up for a lot. Unlike some things like no matter what you're doing, uh, you're, you're screwed. But exercise, for example, to a significant degree, more than other things, can make up, for example, for someone who's just not bagging enough Z's each night. They're not getting the seven to nine hours that's typically required of good quality sleep. Uh, so exercise is number one, or I shouldn't say number one, but on the top three, sleep, I just mentioned it, seven to nine hours of good quality sleep, okay? Some people can't manage that for whatever reason, but if you can, do it. It's huge. And there's a book written by, uh, and there's more than one, you know, there's a sleep doctor, Dr. Bruce, who I interviewed and enjoy. He's a real kick, uh, great guy, fun to be around. And he gives you some tips for you know sleep hygiene and uh, ways to improve your sleep. But if you want to see more of the reasons behind it, you know, someone who's called the studies, um, uh, Dr. Matthew Walker wrote, wrote a book called Why We Sleep. He's a PhD we stole from the United Kingdom, and he's head of a department at Berkeley now. But if you can get your way through that book, uh, and I say that, I mean, you and I probably, you know, I mean, I loved it. I'm a nerd. I, yeah. I don't mean to suggest you're a nerd, but I think you'd find it interesting. But even if it sure. puts you to sleep, get through it. Um, and it's so motivational because you realize, my God, I never knew that's when that was taking place or how important that is. And for those that are trying to, to, to improve body composition, one of my favorites is to cite the study that showed just five nights in a row of less than adequate sleep. So six hours instead of the minimum seven, right? If that's you. Um, And think about if someone has sleep apnea, that's a guarantee. Every night sucks for them, right? Five nights in a row can reduce your insulin sensitivity by as much as 50%. If your insulin sensitivity is reduced, you're fighting a huge uphill battle to control your body composition, okay? And just feeling good. I mean, your sugars are going to be out of whack. Certainly the amount of insulin you had to produce is going to be out of whack. So 
imagine that times a hundred, you get examples like that in the book. And you're like, okay, I got to get sleep. Last one, of course, is nutrition. We are what we eat. Um, I would argue that this is probably the one that's overemphasized. I'm not saying it's not important at all, but it's, it's something we can control. I would argue more easily for most of the people, at least who are going to be reading the book than say sleep. Sleep, I think, is one of the hardest for people to control. There's too many obligations. It's too easy to watch one more episode of blah, blah, whatever, and just to turn off the, 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 the lights and go to sleep. And you're hamstrung with that because typically most of us are going to wake up at the same time every morning, you know, most of us. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I apologize. I have to generalize for, for a lot of this. Everyone's different. But um, the, um, uh, the exercise, you're either someone who does it or you don't. And that, that one's a lot easier because that could be just as you know, little as 20, 30 minutes or you know, hour, hour and a half, depending upon what kind of athlete you are or more, if you have that luxury. But uh, finding that seven, nine hours of sleep, that's a lot of time. And so that's, I think, that's probably the hardest one. But those three are the basics from which we have to start. Now, on top of that, this is what makes the book fun, or what it was for me doing the research and, and putting it together. And there's a lot of stuff, by the way, that's been tossed. You know, they call it mm. killing babies. It's hard when you see all this work you did and they go, no, no one's going to care about that or that there's there's too much complicated stuff in there throw that out but you know that that there's other things in there like the hot and cold therapies the the supplements with you know polyphenols or the drugs like rapamycin um uh stem cell therapy or, or just prp uh mm. those things are sometimes uh dependent upon the individual like you know you have certain injuries you need to fix or uh you're, you know you, you have a tendency toward uh, well uh, hyperglycemia you know uh, high blood sugars and, and, and diabetes well you might emphasize certain other of these treatments than you would uh, if you weren't uh, you know predisposed to that sort of thing but there are still and there's a concept in Chinese medicine called superior herbs herbs which aren't necessarily treating a disease but are just making you better for those of us who do want to make it to at least 120 in good quality health uh, that you can apply no matter what I mean you could arguably I did you know instead of fixing a shoulder that's been thrown out for, you know, pitching all your life or because you took a spill on your motorcycle, uh, you use stem cells intravenously. And the beauty of that is they know where to go. Uh, so they'll go back and, and, and replace the nest cells or even damaged cells. And you can do that on a regular basis prophylactically, you know, and you don't have to have a problem. So mm -hmm. that's what makes it exciting to me because even without the basics, some of these things can make up for the lack of the basics. But on top of the basics, if you got those conquered, and I realize those aren't easy, but once you get those in line, you start adding some of these others and they add up, mm. you know, little by little. And we can extend quality of life. There's no doubt. I, I think that's evident in some of the big gurus, the guys that have, you know, many more degrees than I have and are in the thick of things studying. Uh, David Sinclair, one of my favorites, Peter Atia. Uh, these are people that without even all the best quality gold standard science studies presented to them are, are adopting a lot of these things on their own, knowing that, yeah, this is, there's just too much evidence here, even if it's anecdotal and it just makes too much sense before we get to the point where we prove it. Uh, you know, like arguably there's always an, already enough science out there for metformin, which is a blood sugar lowering drug which has a lot of other side effects to it. They, there was one study where uh, the group that was diabetic and taking the metformin did better than the group that was healthy, so to speak. I mean, that's like wow. mind blowing. And that, 
and we have a lot of studies to point in that direction. There's a guy, Niles Barsley, an Israeli uh, scientist who is putting together a study called TAME, targeting aging through metformin. Um, that's going to put all of this science together and sort of prove once and for all it works. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still waiting for funding or it's already started, but that's going to be huge. And that's just another example where you go, whoa, that's a nice little edge there. Uh, because you can extend, um, well, I'm jumping ahead there, but you know, we know the benefits to lowering blood sugar and activating something called AMPK, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, helps prevent the, the formation of, of fat molecules and, um, and, and, you know, dyslipidemia. Um, I mean, there's just so much to it. Um, there's such a simple drug made, made from lilac flower. Um, and, and we've got a lot of others like that. I mentioned rapamycin earlier. So yeah, that's the purpose of the book to spread the word, you know, so that uh, some of these other things are presented to people as options. Because if you go to, and yes, there is a little bit of a slight intended here. If you go to an HMO like Kaiser, that's built for the basics and it's a, it's a, it's a I call it paint by numbers medicine machine. You're not going to hear about these things. So understanding them, just having knowledge of them and understanding a little bit about it, you can then go to either that Kaiser doctor and get turned away, or you can find another practitioner that says, oh yeah, I do that. You know, let's give it a go. And you have these options available to you. So you can extend life uh, with good quality. And we're going to do it, right? I think we're going to see a change. I know with COVID, we have life expectancy going the wrong way, uh, but I think it's a blip. I think with uh, what's spreading now, and, and I, you know, this is just my opinion, but I think there's others that would agree. The biohacking community is growing. There's a lot of people like you and me who say, no, I, I, want, a, I want a shot at 120. And yeah. it'll take that same, that same discipline that you use in the gym to a daily regimen of not just, you know, getting leaner and, you know, more muscular or whatever, but hey, I'm going to improve my, my quality of life. And a lot of it involves trust, right? Because you go to the gym you see and feel results right away. You take, for example, rapamycin, which um, is a whole other deal. And I'm happy to talk about it if you want, but I'm, I'm rambling a lot as it is. I apologize, but oh, uh, you're not necessarily gonna go, wow, I feel a difference. You have to trust mm -hmm. the studies and, and the mechanisms behind which it's uh, working. And that's gonna pay off. I think mm -hmm. surprisingly so in a good way. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned the, uh anecdotal evidence before before it's you know before it's a on everyone's bookshelf and it's part of everyone's just common knowledge you know i i look at athletes these days right like a tom brady lebron james like i know they're they're freaks of freaks they're the best of the best they're you know all this stuff but if you compare those guys to some of the aging that took place in the in the in years past even that not that long ago right like injuries that guys like top guys would experience and like now it seems like these guys are entering what is quote unquote past their prime. And all of a sudden they're getting better. Like Tom Brady's winning a Super Bowl, like what, 43 years old. LeBron James just set the all time scoring record. Uh, I think he's 38 or 39. <clears throat> and I know these are top athletes. And I know the excuses of, oh, they have the best trainers, the best food, the blah, 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 blah. All that is true. But what I've seen from athletics is the, that knowledge and the things that they start to do tend to then work its way into the common crowd right the common man who's like oh well yeah and then like that's where bodybuilding started right it was like these strong men doing these crazy things people were like what the hell like who does that <laughs> and now everybody not everybody but it's a common thing now to go lift weights that wasn't always the case right 
So it's like, if they're getting better with time, I know that that's not far off for me either. Someone who takes his health seriously. And I think that should be a, a source of hope for a lot of people, but no, this all makes a ton of sense, man. I, I absolutely love it. it. Makes tons of sense. It's hard for me to add anything to what you just said without going on a million tangents because <laughs> you could argue both sides of that story. Is it anecdotal? Yeah, of course. Is it the gold standard? No. But again, I think there's enough people out there that realize, no, they're just, it's just a common thread here. And while I can't stand here and say it's proven, I would put money on it, you know, because mm -hmm. of the examples that we see and stuff that, yeah, needs the scrutiny of a, of a formal, well-designed study. But again, I think, you know, you're picking up on it 100%. And, and you could argue it's harder for an athlete to do it because of the strains of competition at that level of competition. So mm -hmm. a Tom Brady is even more of an example because, you know, those of us that can just go out and knock out an hour on a bike, I mean, you're not, you're not straining yourself necessarily anything close to what he might be going through or LeBron James you know, or, or a lot of other athletes we could be mentioning here. And so, you know, they might be an even better example than, than you can consider given what they're going through. And, you know, look, a lot of these athletes are coming uh, to doctors like, you know, like me and, and a lot of others, I hope, and, and, and I know are out there to get advice outside of the, the, what's there in the training camps. And so what's happening is, and I think this is your point, I'm just uh, uh, making it a, a more obvious one. They're taking that back to their camps, their training camps is what I'm seeing. Because they know already, say, I can't live on this training table food they're talking about. I need, I need a, a, a nutrition coach. Hey, I can't do just this. I got to add, you know, IV therapies, IV nutrition. Uh, you know, this is going to sound terrible, but, it, you know, it's the truth. And so it is what it is. But, you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, what do they call it, uh, legacy stuff that goes on in, in these professional camps where, You've got somebody, and I, I'm just keeping it very general, who may not be the best qualified, but they're a name. And I know you've probably seen it where yeah, you course. see the slow-mo, you see the slow-mo where they got the injury, and you go, Oh, that's a pulled hamstring, or oh boy, he rolled his ankle. You know, it's a Liz Frank fracture. We know what that is. And then we we see it with the trainer come out and you go, What is he doing? Oh my god, he's gonna make that 10 times worse. And you go, Oh my god. If only, you know, I, if I just get me in there, fly me in for, you know, let's use the transporter and get me over there. I'll fix it. I'll get my favorite guy back on the, on the mat. And I'm not saying you or I is greater than anybody else. I'm just saying, it's just, it's just this ignorance thing we're talking about totally. where, you know, and, and so these guys getting, you know, I said, I wasn't going off, going off on tangents and I just did, but the Tom Brady's they're, they're great for what you and I are looking for to spread the word because they're taking it back to camp. And then there's probably three or four guys, even if it's just the fellow quarterbacks are going, well, wait a minute, that guy's a stud 43 and wins a Super Bowl. What's he doing? I want to do that too. And I mean, you just look at Tom Brady he, and it's funny you pick him, uh, whatever you think about him personally, it doesn't matter. You look at that guy and you go, he looks way younger than his age. And not only that, he functions way better than his age. Typically. I'm impressed by him. Uh, not that I'm many great shakes that, you know, he needs to impress, but I'm just saying it's pretty obvious in these people you point out, and there's a lot more of them out there that, that give evidence to what we're talking about. hundred percent. Yeah, I know it's, it's crazy, but it, it's like you said, they're, they're seeking outside counsel with people like yourself. Uh, it's not just actors anymore. It's, it's athletes, it's top businessmen. They want an edge and they also see like, Hey, there's potential. It's just like, I always use what I think it's the five minute mile 
story, right? Where everybody never thought, oh, a five minute mile could actually happen or no one could break a five minute mile. One person does it. And all of a sudden it's like 40 guys do it in the next month because they see that it's possible. And then they go, oh, okay, well, it's that self-limiting belief gets erased. And now they're exploring other, other avenues and options, which I think is what's starting to happen. Cause yeah, clearly these guys aren't just going to the gym, eating protein and getting good sleep. They're doing other things. <laughs> and, and most of it, they have to toe the line too, because, you know, they can't go across certain lines and boundaries that could de- disqualify them in certain sports and things like that. They have to be careful, but they're pushing the boundaries, right? Like, Hey, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to pay for this. And that is ultimately going to translate, at least in my opinion, into the common person getting clarity on other things they can do outside of just eat your eat healthy and get better sleep. Like those things are always the most important, but there's other things that can just ratchet up the effectiveness of those things. And outside of the obvious, like, you know, someone takes anabolic steroids and they can feel it and see it immediately to trust that you're taking the right supplements that don't necessarily hit you over the head and that require really a lifetime of use, but you don't really notice the difference between someone, you know, your, your exact counterpart who doesn't take say vitamin B for 10 years, all the B's and, and you, and again, how do you design that study? Mm. But you just wake up and go, yeah, I'm ahead of the game. And, and that's why I say a Tom Brady, you know, you look at the other quarterbacks and go, well, there's nobody like that guy. Right. So he's doing something right. And again, yeah, I, I mean, there's scientists out there. They're rolling their eyes right now going, yeah, but you can't prove that. That's just one story in of one anecdotal. But, you know, this is part of science. You've got to go with your gut and prove it eventually. Mm. And I think we'll be ahead of the game. Well, Dr. Ray, I know your time is like extremely valuable, uh, but I did for our, our people that are, are part of our community Uh, We purchased, I think, 150 books, or it's in the works to get 150 books of yours. Uh, You're actually, I don't know, you you probably stay on top of your schedule, but I know you're being pulled in 20 different directions. (laughs) You're you're coming to uh, our community event in March, about five weeks from now in Virginia. Uh, But we bought books for everybody. So I think we bought 150 books. Uh, I'm excited to get my hands on it. But for the people who can't make it to our event, when and where can they get your book and how can they connect with you guys? First of all, thanks for, for doing that. Uh, of course, man. My mission of, uh, of spreading the word. That's why I wrote the book. But, um, and anyone who thinks otherwise, look it up. You don't make money with books. I mean, <laughs> no. unless you're, like, you might lose money. <laughs> whoever wants to hear from or something, maybe you can make money on the book. I don't know, but it really, it does come from, uh, uh, you know, the passion side of things. And, and thank you for, for that contribution. I really appreciate that. And hopefully you do too. Uh, if you want, well, first of all, if you, you can get it on Amazon, they call it pre-sales, you know, you can get them and I'm sure it's Barnes and Nobles and others too, but uh, I always think of Amazon because that prime membership is where, where I shop. Man. <laughs> you, know, you get immediate satisfaction and they got just about everything you need, but uh, right. I'm sure there's other places to get it. And then, you know, we try and make our website as, as content uh, full and, and pertinent as possible. Uh, it's um, a PSRMED, Papa Sierra Romeo Med.com. And hopefully, you know, your, your listeners will, will find that informative. Um, I don't know if there's ever going to be another book. It's, it's a lot of work, but uh, <laughs> we we'll probably keep updating the website as we find out more and more about the good science. That's amazing. Yeah, we we uh, officially partnered with your practice for our clients. Uh, we've sent uh, already quite a few people to you guys. And so far, the, the results have been absolutely amazing. We actually, I believe our website for you guys is tthormones.com. 
So just two T's hormones.com. You can book a, a, a appointment and consultation with you and your team and uh, get your internal health optimized and really just set you up for a life of uh, fulfillment and happiness and longevity, which is what, what this is all about at the end of the day. So Dr. Ryan, I really appreciate you, man. You, you guys have helped, man, so many of my clients. I will tell you that I can't name names because of privacy, but <laughs> it's been incredible to watch someone get their internal health optimized while they're working so hard on themselves and to see the results is just flat out insane. So our, our community thanks you for that. Hey, I used to be a, a trainer back when I was 16 years old before we were called a uh, uh, personal trainer or anything close to that. Um, and, and I know how frustrating it can be for both the trainee and the trainer if this, you know, if all the pieces aren't there. So you must be having a lot of fun too. I have to say, watch. Oh, that. man. <laughs> My favorite out, so. time of day is client testimonials during, during the week when we post before and afters. And I'll tell you, the guys and girls who get their hormones, you know, dialed in and just the look on their face is different, right? The body composition is great, but you can just tell how happy they are. It's like they just live for the process. They live for the work. It's like they look forward to it. It's just a totally different mindset versus the person who is fighting their internal health along with just nature itself, right? Uh, it's, uh, it's just a night and day difference. One, one final uh, point to add, and I promise I'll shut up, but, you know, that's one of the amazing. things on is, and it could be more than testosterone, but that's the one that, you know, the sexy one, the one that, you know, has the most bang for the buck. Most people think of it that way anyway. Um, the word I use is leverage. You still have to do the work. And I think that assuages some of the fears where they think, well, if I take that, I'm going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger overnight. No, you know, you have to work for it still. It just leverages all the good stuff you do. And if you're not doing anything, Leveraging zero is still zero, right? So, uh, it, but, but boy, is that fun when you're earning it and now, you know, you put that leverage back in the machine as it were, and, and you're feeling better again and all that work you're doing is paying off. Few things are more motivational, uh, both from the standpoint of the person using it and then for you and me, you know, trying to help any way we can. It, it, it's very satisfying. That's why I say I have, and I would say you and I have uh, some of the best jobs in the country for that reason. It's fun. Yeah. It's the best. I, I literally have not worked a day in my life since I started this full time because it's just the most blessed position to be in to, to better people's lives and just see things actually play out. And like you said, trust the process. It's it's happening. And then over time, see it, see it take place. It's just, it's a beautiful thing, man. It, it truly is. I say that with a hundred percent conviction. It's amazing. To many more years of that, at least 200 years of that for sure. <laughs> at least. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time, brother. Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode with Dr. Rand McLean. Just as a reminder, go check out tthormones.com. The link to check out our partnership page with regenerative and sports medicine is in the description of the show, but it's super simple. tthormones.com. If you're interested in our fat loss coaching, our body transformation system called the 3M fat loss system, where we combine the world's most effective fat loss protocol for busy high achievers who have a crazy schedule, who just have not been able to figure out this whole thing called fitness. That would be our 3M fat loss system and coaching program where we combine our 3M system with what we call identity design to turn you into an absolute savage who has everything covered from his career to his family to his body and how he looks with a shirt off, how he feels about himself every single day. 
Go check out 3mfatloss.com. Once again, the link is in the description of the show. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you in the next one. Remember, life moves fast. Make it count.